turn to James chapter 4 and welcome to everybody watching online. Thank you for joining our service tonight. Whatever happens here, good, can happen where you're at because with God, distance is not a barrier. Same anointing that hits here can hit in your home or wherever you're watching this from. So be expectant and get ready for some good things to happen in your life. All right, so James chapter 4. Let's start here, and then I'm going to move into some things I think we need to hear right now as a church. James 4, and this whole chapter is just so convicting in a good way. But let's look here at verse 17. Let's just go right to the verse. To him that knows to do good and does it not... To him, it's sin. To him that knows to do something good, but doesn't do it, it's sin to that person. So let me ask you, how, how could, what kind of sin is that? Knowing to do something, and you don't do it. That's the sin of what? Commission. Huh? Commission. Omission. Omission is means you're omitting to do something you know you should do. A sin of commission is committing something you know you shouldn't do. There's, a, there's sins of omission where you omit the doing of something good you know you should do. That's called a sin of omission. But then there's the sin of commission when you're committing an act you know you shouldn't do. Not doing the good you should do is a sin. And doing the bad you shouldn't do is a sin. One's a sin of omission and one's a sin of commission. All right, so let me just say this before we go any further. I found out as being a pastor for 32 years, living life just like you've got to live life in this fallen world, demons all around, flesh, temptations. I found out one one real powerful truth that I've learned, that I've discovered that's helped me tremendously, is that sins of omission always lead to sins of commission. A lot of times people are only trying to fix the sins of commission. Oh, I got to stop doing this. I got to stop getting drunk. I got to stop lusting out. I got to stop being mean. I got to stop cussing. I got to stop doing. I got to stop. They're working on what they got to stop, but they're not working on what they should have started a long time ago. They're trying to work on stopping the bad, but they're omitting some good things that if they do those good things, these bad things wouldn't even be there. Sins of omission are huge. In the eyes of the Lord. You can be forgiven. You can get on track. But sometimes before you even get on track, you have to acknowledge where's the deepest problem. Where's the root to this thing? Because just chopping off a weed at the surface doesn't mean you're not going to see a weed in two weeks from now. Sometimes you've got to go to the root. Sins of omission are root problems in many people's lives. And if they work a little more diligently on making sure they're not omitting some good things, then just stopping the bad things, they get victory in their life. Let me, let me tell you three, uh, how about four? Let me tell you four main areas that people are omitting that's causing weakness in their life, inability to resist temptation, um, not prospering like they could. Four things a lot of people are omit, omitting that's keeping them weak in life when temptation comes and things come their way and, and, not, and not even have a desire to do the will of God or win souls or walk in love on a higher level. Four things that if we'll not omit, we'll see a lot of other problems dry up in our life. Number one, walking in love. 
You ever repented for violating love? Not doing something good that you should have done? Not walking in love properly? That's a big thing. Number two, violations of faith. Not believing when you know how to believe. Choosing maybe a flesh route or some other route instead of a faith route. How many know believing is a commandment? <laughs> if we know how to believe, we need to be believing. Number three, not seeking first the kingdom of God and His right. See, if we omit that and we're expecting the results of seeking first in our life, well, we're going to be confused and messed up. A lot of people want the results of being sold out to God, but they're not sold out to God. Well, that doesn't work. And number four, and this is what I want to talk about tonight. A lot of people have a lot of problems in their life, and they're not desirous to do things that need to be done in the church, in the body of Christ, is because they're omitting Ephesians 5.18. They're not taking Ephesians 5.18 serious enough and therefore, they're not ready for storms. They're not equipped for effective ministry. Does anybody know what Ephesians 5.18 says? It says, be filled with the Spirit. And he's not talking about an experience we had five years ago where we had hands laid on us and we started speaking in tongues. That's the initial. That's a beginning. But that's different than living a Spirit-filled life. Why would you write to the church at Ephesus, who in Acts chapter 19 were all filled with the Holy Ghost, spoke with tongues, and prophesied? Why would you have to write to that church and say, be filled with the Spirit? Well, hey, Paul, didn't you read Acts chapter 19? There was no Acts 19 back then. Did you, didn't you not read? Just because they were filled years ago didn't mean they were filled when Paul was writing to them. They're saved. Thoroughly saved, going to heaven when they die. But that's different than living a spirit-filled life. The Bible says there's an experience called being born of the Spirit. Jesus said that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. That's how you get born again. You're the recreation of your human spirit on your acceptance of Jesus. But then there's an expression in the New Testament, filled with the Spirit. Well of water personal satisfaction, springing up to everlasting life, rivers of living water coming out of you by this spake he of the Spirit, that they which believe on him should receive. So you can be a believer in Jesus. How many know you can be a legitimate child of God, heaven bound, and not be filled with the Spirit? Jesus was. Before he was baptized of John in River Jordan. He was a legitimate child of God. Totally God's, right? God's son. But the Holy Spirit hadn't come on him yet. So you can be a child of God, you can be a believer and not be filled with the Spirit. Now you don't have to be filled with the Spirit to go to heaven. Nope. That's where people, I think, get mixed up and confused. And the devil lies and says, oh, they're telling you if you don't speak in tongues, you're not going to heaven. Never said that and never will say that. No. But the benefits of being filled with the Spirit, the devil hates what destroyed him. Do you know what destroyed him everywhere Jesus went? Jesus didn't set people free because he was a son of God. He set people free because he was anointed of the Holy Ghost. And then he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Amen? Amen. Jesus showed us how to do it. Well, when we're living a spirit-filled life, we're going to want to do some things that have been hard for us to do. 
that we should be doing. When you're living a spirit-filled life, you're not going to be have to told time and time again to do certain things. You're going to want to do what the Lord wants you to do. One of the most frustrating things for teachers and preachers is to try to get people to want to do something they don't want to do. But you get filled with the Holy Ghost, your wants change. Right? Sometimes you, I go on Facebook sometimes and I'll see these people just, I mean, and I, I believe their intentions are right. I believe they're totally right on the inside. But they are fighting tooth and nail to get people to see they need to vote for so-and-so. Did you know, I don't know if we're ever, ever going to make a Democrat vote Republican or a Republican vote Democrat. I think we need to stop that battle. That's like focusing on the wrong thing. Right. 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 People are set. I mean, in this Democrat Republican area, I don't know about you, but I'm a Christian above Democrat Republican. But if you really want people to vote right, get them filled with the Holy Ghost and they'll vote right. 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 We should be more interested in bringing people to church, seeing that, you know, helping them to let Jesus be the Lord of their life and being filled with the Spirit than trying to convince them through some debate that this person's better than this person. You want people to vote right? Bring them to Faith Heights Church. Amen. Let them hear the Word. Right. Jesus will become their Lord. They can get filled with the Spirit. How many know if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to vote right? right. right. Ding. Right. You're going to do a lot of things right when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. There's actually born-again believers in prison today. In prison. Incarcerated. For life. Because they weren't filled with the Spirit the morning of the crime. You realize if you're filled with the Spirit, you're not going to be even wanting to commit crimes, let alone committing crimes. Being filled with the Spirit is a root answer to a million and one problems. If this one thing would be taken care of in the believer's life, all this other stuff would begin to clear up in their life. So turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Okay, there, there. Thank you. Um, look, look on, could you back up to the previous verse? Can you do verse 17? And then we'll read verse 18 as well. The Bible says, don't be unwise. Everyone say, I'm not going to be unwise. But understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now, before you go on, I, not too long ago, I mean, we, we taught on this a while back, understanding what the will of the Lord is. And we talked about pertinent issues that are facing people. What's the will of God in this area of uh, people living together who aren't married? What's the, what's the will of God? Let's understand what the will of God is that in that area and, and not get bound by today's society and the culture today. What, what's the will of God in the area of uh, homosexuality? What's, what's the will of God? Not, not what, why, why not, what do you, what, what's His will? What does He think about? It? Let's go to the scriptures. We talked about it extensively. What's the will of God concerning uh, drinking alcohol in the church. What's the will of God concerning tattoos and piercings and all? So we did this whole teaching on understanding what the will of the Lord is because people need to know the will of God in these areas because there's a lot of weird ideas floating around even in some churches of what the will of God is in these areas. So you just have to go to the scripture. What's the will? Of, well, this scripture says understanding what the will of the Lord is. Well, one thing I didn't emphasize in those teachings that I realized later I should have is what we're talking about tonight. What's the will of God for every born-again believer? What's the will of God for every born-again believer who at one time got filled with the Spirit and spoke in tongues? 
Because that's this, that's the that's the church at Ephesus, right? That if you read Acts chapter 19, Paul came down to Ephesus, found certain disciples, and said, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, We not heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. He said, Well, what were you baptized unto? They said, John's baptism. Well, John baptized for the repentance and all this and remission of sins. But then he's Paul, Paul, they got baptized in the name of Jesus. They were born again believers. And then Paul laid his hands on them, which is a help for people to receive. And the law of contact and transmission is also involved in that. Paul laid hands on these believers, and it said they were filled with the Holy Ghost, for they heard them speak with tongues and prophesy. Overflow. When you're filled with something, there's an overflow. You keep pouring water in a glass, something's going to overflow on the outside. Right? Something you can hear or see in this realm. Well, when they were filled with the Spirit, overflow came out of their spirits, out of their mouth, and they spoke in tongues and they prophesied. They spoke divinely inspired utterances. They praised the Lord. And I thought, you know, if they were born again, and they had this experience of being filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues, why in the world would Paul write to the church at Ephesus in the next verse and say, go ahead, <laughs> be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Really, what this verse is saying is, is saying, don't be drunk with wine, be drunk with the Spirit. See, here, here's, the, here's the thing, church. We have something way better than what the world turns to. Are you following me? We have the new wine. You talk about feeling good. You talk about floating at a church. You talk about a life of just, you know, a lot of people, they try to drown their sorrows with alcohol and they find out the next morning that their sorrows can swim. Absolutely. And they're turning to these natural things when we have something a zillion times better. Right? And so he's talking about, listen, you don't need to get your intoxication, you don't need to get your lift from the world, the world's way. You've got the Holy Spirit. You can be so filled with the Holy Spirit that not only do you feel like you have no problems, your problems get fixed as you live a Spirit-filled life. He's telling them how to live a victorious life by saying, be filled with this. Now this, this, this is just as holy. This is just as vital. This is just as precious. This is just as powerful as thou shall not kill. How many of you are obeying that commandment? How about the commandment thou shall not steal? Thou shall not commit adultery. How many are taking that serious? Why would we take that so serious and not something like this? See, this would be a sin of omission to not do this. Are you following me? And what the Lord is saying here, He's saying, listen, you do not have to go through your earth walk without the fullness of my Spirit in you. You do not have to face temptations and battles and storms without the fullness of my Spirit in you. You do not have to do everything I want you to do without the fullness of my Spirit. So hey, be filled with the Spirit so you can even do these things I want you to do. Did you know Jesus could not fulfill the perfect will of God without this fullness of the Spirit on His life? Did you know that? True. Well, if He couldn't fulfill His calling without the fullness of the Spirit, why do we think we could fulfill our calling without the fullness of the Spirit? I used to think, you know, Luke 4 and Matthew 4, where it talks about Jesus was led in the... Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And He was there 40 days and 40 nights, right? And after 40 days and 40 nights... 
He returned in the power of the Spirit. Angels came and ministered to him. He returned in the power of the Spirit. And his ministry took off after his fill with the Spirit. Right. And I got to thinking, well, you know, because I always used to preach that, okay, this is the way you overcome temptation. You ready? Do what Jesus did. When temptation comes to you, and this is right, but it wasn't complete. He said, when, when the devil, the tempter, came to Jesus, our example, in the wilderness, and said, hey, Son of God, if you're the Son of God, turn these rocks into bread if you're the Son of God. Come on, turn these rocks into bread. Yeah. And Jesus said, it is written. This isn't coming from my Father. Yeah, I'm real hungry. Yeah, I need some nourishment. But this, he discerned that that wasn't coming from his Father. And he, he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Strike one on the devil. Right? Number two. The devil comes to him, takes him up. Didn't even ask him. Takes him to the pinnacle of the temple and says, Hey, Jesus. Hey, Jesus. Why don't you jump? Is it not written? Now the devil's quoting scripture. Is it not written? Your angels are given charge over you to keep you in all your ways. They'll bear you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against the stone. That's a scripture. What do you do when a scripture comes to you? And you know, there's just not something right about the spirit of it. Out of context. Something... What do you, you better know the word well enough and God well enough to know. That's coming from the devil. Right. He's quoting Psalm 91 to Jesus out of context to get Jesus to do something against the will of God. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Yeah. And then that's strike two. Then the devil took him on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of him and said, Jesus, if you will bow down and worship me, all this that's been delivered unto me, and it was from Adam. Satan has it all in his power until his lease is out. He said, all this, Jesus, that I have under my control and power, if you will bow down and worship me, all will be thine. All will be yours. It wouldn't have been a temptation if the devil didn't really have it to give. It was a bona fide temptation. The devil had it to give, and he was trying to get Jesus to get it the devil's way instead of the Father's way. And Jesus said, it's written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. Well, I read that, I thought, that's how you resist temptation. And it is. That has a lot to do with how you resist temptation. But the Lord brought a verse to me. Look at it here in Luke chapter 4. That I didn't see before. That was just as vital to overcoming temptation for us today as quoting the scriptures in the face of temptation. Luke 4 Luke chapter 4, and look at verse 1. And Jesus, oh, something else was going on here before he entered into those amazing temptations. Something else was going on in Jesus' life, maybe as a reason why he overcame them all. What was it? Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, this is right after he was baptized with John in the River Jordan, the Holy Ghost came on him. Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So, he not only quoted scriptures, he was filled with the Holy Ghost when he was quoting scriptures. Come on, church. You see, it's one thing to quote scriptures in desperation and fear. It's another thing to quote scriptures when you're full of the Holy Ghost. So this is a very important truth if you even want to just live right and overcome stuff in your life. so So many people are just whacking away at the problem. Trying to get the problem out of their life when they should be interested in being filled with the Spirit of God. Right? Because that is going to affect your will. What if you didn't want to get drunk? What if you didn't want to watch porn? 
But you got the victory. Yeah. Because Christians sin because they want to. Yes. They choose to. I know that may sound easy, and but friend, it all comes down to people are still choosing to do something or choosing not to do something. If, if that's not the case, and, and, and if it's something beyond your ability, you need deliverance. You know, demon possession means your will is overtaken. Most people have problems, their will is not overtaken, they're just fleshing out. They don't understand self-discipline. Or maybe they're not filled with the Spirit to where their desires and wants on the inside haven't been tweaked properly yet. Come on. This is being filled with the Spirit. It's not a luxury. It's not just something we should do if we have time. It is vital to living in victory in these last days and having all the power we need to minister as we're supposed to in these last days. Being filled, being filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues is more than just a good idea. If Jesus needed it, oh my goodness, how much more do we need it to fulfill the Father's will for our life and to overcome the devil's lies and to deal with all these distractions and hindrances in our life. Friend, I want to say right now, being filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues is a thousand times more important than most believers think or feel. It's vital. It, what it does to your future. You know what I found out? Being filled with the Spirit doesn't mean you don't make mistakes at times. Being filled with the Spirit doesn't mean you, you don't have problems, but it does mean you never quit and you always overcome. And that's the key because many people have not seen what God, the fullness of God's will in their life because they gave up and they quit. When you're filled with the Holy Ghost, something happens on your insides where no matter if you fall a thousand times, you just cannot quit. Right. Something inside says, I can't quit. I can't quit. Did you know, th think of this, when Peter committed the greatest sin of his life in denying the Lord, cursing and swearing that he didn't know the man. Remember that? When Jesus was on trial, people around the fire said, hey, this guy looks like he's one of those. The, the guy that they're, they're, they're whipping in there, y you were with him. And Peter said, no, I wasn't. What's he doing? He's denying the Lord, which is the worst sin you could ever commit. You know, did you know adultery doesn't keep people from going to heaven? Murder? Lying? You know what keeps people from going to heaven? Huh? The sin of not believing in Jesus is the, is the sin that keeps people from going to heaven. So Peter makes the greatest mistake of his life, denies the Lord three times, calls curses down on himself, swearing he doesn't know the man. And the Lord looks at him, and he weeps bitterly. Obviously, he repented. And about 50 days later, 50 to 100 days later, Peter is now doing greater exploits for the Lord after the greatest mistakes in his life than he did before the greatest mistakes in his life. What's the difference? Something happened in an upper room one day that caused Peter to realize there is supernatural forgiveness for me. I can comprehend it. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. He could comprehend total re restoration. And he went forth. People were getting healed in his shadow. He's a pillar in the temple of God forever. Amazing things happened after he was filled with the Spirit. Because even though he committed the greatest mistakes of his life, he was restored because he could comprehend such forgiveness. 
A lot of people cannot comprehend the supernatural because they're not filled with the Spirit. They're always looking for natural remedies, always looking for the natural thing to do, the natural way out. When you're filled with the Spirit, you're thinking on a higher level. Miracles are fresh to you. Divine healing, oh yeah, everybody has a right to it. I can tell sometimes who's filled with the Spirit and who's not just after a short conversation with them. You, I mean, you know, people that don't believe healing is for everybody, they need to get filled with the Holy Ghost. And <laughs> realize, whoa, wait a minute, healing's for, they'll be wild, like anybody else who's been filled with the Spirit, in a good sense. Now, I want to connect this to something before we close here. Um, why don't you turn to Revelation 16 and let me read something to you out of Kenneth Hagin's book as you're turning. Just turn to Revelation 16. You don't have to put any scriptures on the screen yet. I wanted to read this to you before the night's over tonight. This is a book by Kenneth E. Hagin, my spiritual father. It's entitled Plans, Purposes, and Pursuits. It, this whole book came forth from a vision, a three-hour vision that Brother Hagin had of Jesus in 1987 in his home. He said he woke up at three in the morning and he was found himself caught away in the spirit. The Lord appeared to him and they hovered over at 3 a.m. in the morning the Tulsa Convention Center, which in a week from then is where Brother Hagin was going to have his camp meeting. Camp meeting, 1987. They had camp meeting every year in the Tulsa Convention Center. And the Lord was up there, showed him this vision, and all of a sudden the dome of the, the Colosseum disappeared, and they saw into the future one week the meetings he was about to have, like they were already happening. And the Lord began to narrate to Brother Hagen all kinds of stuff about the state of the church, some adjustments that needed to be made in worship, how a lot of brass has crept in the church that looks like gold and people are falling for the brass and not going for the real. Because you know, brass and gold look like the same thing from a distance. But as you get close, you realize, hmm, maybe that's, that's not quite right. And, and so the Lord wanted to show the church some things through the prophet. And I wanted to read this to you because this is the chapter... Be being filled, speaking. He's talking about being filled with the Spirit and maintaining a Spirit-filled life by constantly speaking in tongues and praying in the Spirit. All right, so he said this. Kenneth Hagin said, Following our 1987 camp meeting, someone asked me, because see, at that 1987 camp meeting, Brother Hagin started sharing some things about this visitation he just had from the Lord. This was not his first visitation. He had had like six others. And he, start, and, and he said, Lord, why didn't, you, why didn't you appear to me a couple months ago? We could have packed this place out even more. He said, because I didn't want people coming just because of the spectacular. I want them coming because they're led by my spirit and they're yielding to the leading of the spirit. And if you would announce this vision a month ago, all kinds of uh, looky-loos would be coming just to, the, whatever, for the excitement of it. He said, I want people to come here who I led to come here. And so he said in 1987, following our 1987 camp meeting, Brother Hagin said, somebody asked me, quote, what did Jesus emphasize the most during his three-hour visitation with you? Well, that's a good question, because his whole book has to deal with the, with the visitation. And the Lord had quite a few things to say to the church and some correction. Some people were not doing things proper in the area of worship. They were getting in the flesh in some areas and they weren't worshiping God in spirit and in truth. 
And so we had to bring some correction about reverence in the church and how some reverence has got to come back into the church for the things of God and to not be so fleety with some things and be a little more honorable toward the things of God. But he said, without question, what Jesus emphasized most in this three-hour visitation is what we'll be discussing in this chapter. And then Brother Hagin said, Jesus said to me, quote, this was in the vision. Jesus said to me, quote, now this is the Lord talking. And I just want you to hear this in your heart because you say, well, I don't know if I believe all that. Well, just listen to your heart. Test the Spirit to see if it's of God. Just listen to it in your heart. Jesus said to Brother Hagin, he said, my plan, this is what he emphasized most, my plan under the new covenant is for every believer to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Kenneth Hagin, the prophet of God who's in heaven now, Kenneth Hagin said the number one thing the Lord emphasized in the most recent vision he had of the Lord was this, quote, It is my plan under the new covenant that every believer be filled with the Spirit. And as I started studying these things, I began to realize more and more one of the reasons people are not serving like they could and should be. One of the reasons believers keep falling into sins over and over again. One of the reasons people have no desire to support the work of God. One of, so one of the reasons people don't want to tithe and they're against this. And one, one of the number one reasons is because they're omitting. Be filled with the Spirit. Yeah. In the original Greek, it's actually a play on words in Ephesians 5.18. The original Greek, because our, our New Testament came from Greek manuscripts, where it says, don't be drunk with wine, we're in a excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit in the Greek literally says, be being filled. A continuous, ongoing life, daily thing. Did you ever notice they were filled with the Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 2? Did you ever notice that? And a couple of chapters later, it said the same bunch were filled with the Holy Ghost again. Now, they didn't have to get the initial experience again, but they did need to be filled again with what they used that they did receive in Acts chapter 2. You know, you use spiritual energy just like you use physical energy. You've got to replete. And with being filled with the Spirit, you can be repleted. And so I'm sensing, okay, if the Lord emphasized to the church this thing more than anything else, I think we need to slow down and ask ourselves, what does it mean to be being filled with the Spirit? What does it look like? How does it happen? How do we maintain this lifestyle? Because if the head of the church said, and I believe he totally said it, if he said, my number one plan for everybody in the church, this, this, this involves everybody, is be filled with the Spirit, I think we need to know a little bit more about what that's about. Amen. Practically, what to do to live that spirit-filled life. Did you know if you will live a spirit-filled life and a sickness attacks you, you'll easily overcome it because if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you're not trying to overcome it on your own. It's one thing to quote healing scriptures out of the dryness of your heart and out of desperation. It's another thing to quote healing scriptures because you're filled with the Holy Ghost and you know sickness has to bow to Jesus and in the name of Jesus, it's got to bow. I mean, it's one thing to quote scriptures under the anointing and it's another thing to quote scriptures to try to get something because it's a little hard to receive right now. Being filled with the Spirit is a life-saving teaching. So here's the thing I need to say as we close. Many people 
don't have room in their lifestyle for what it takes to live a spirit-filled life. They're too booked. Unauthorized involvements left and right. What do I mean unauthorized involvements? Things that if you stopped, you wouldn't be in disobedience for stopping them. See, that's, that's a good question to ask yourself. Okay, okay, look at my life. Look at everything that I'm doing. If I stopped this thing that's taken a chunk of my life and a chunk of my time on a weekly basis, if I stopped this, would I be in disobedience to God? If the answer is no, why are you doing it? These are the last days. We need to analyze all our involvements. We need to make sure we're not just so busy doing good things, we're missing the plan of God for our life. Are you following me, church? I mean, I, I did that one. I said, Lord... Okay, I, I need to ask myself, if I stop this thing that's taking a quarter of my week, if I stopped it right now, would I be in disobedience to God if I stopped it? If the answer is no, then what in the world am I spending that much of my life on it for? It's called an unauthorized involvement. And so I'm, I'm writing a book. We taught the series. It's almost done, not quite, on making room for the things of God. Versus trying to cram the things of God in your already overbooked schedule. That's what a lot of people are doing. And they're thinking serving God is stressful. When serving God is not stressful. But trying to cram God into your already overbooked schedule. That's what's stressful. Well then they say, well i got to quit this. And i got to stop this in the church. And I can't do this. It, it hurts me to see people stopping things in the church. As the first thing on their list to knock off when they're too busy. Why would we want to bump the Lord? But when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you start bumping other things instead of the Lord because your priorities are clear. Your focus is proper. If we, and we are, going to take this valley for the Lord, I can't just stand up here. Keith can't just stand up here. Other preachers can't just stand up here and tell us what to do. we got to be filled with the Holy Ghost so we want to do what we're hearing. We're willing to make major adjustments and changes and stop this and start that and fast this and do that. Because I'm telling you guys, Keith can preach a powerful message. I can preach a powerful message. If we don't have room in our life to do what it takes to obey that message, then what good is it? We're not any different than a person who never heard. Because a hearer who didn't do fell when the storm came, just like somebody who never heard. We've got to be doers. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is going to help us to bring people to church. Get our focus clear and realize, you know what? If I don't have time for people, I am too busy. If I don't have time to bring people to church throughout the year, I am too busy. And instead of trying to cram bringing people to church on my already overbooked schedule, I'm stopping this and I'm putting that on hold and I'm backing off on that. And now you've got plenty of time to attend a prayer meeting. Come, come to this. Do that. Pray over here. Witness over here. Visit. Yeah. You hear what I'm saying? Yeah. It's called making room for the things of God. And to be filled with the Holy Ghost has a lot to do with getting up in the morning, worshiping God. Before you leave the house, you read the Word. I say, Pastor, how do I know if I've read the Word long enough? How do I know if I'm filled with the Spirit? Well, usually when you're filled with the Spirit, you don't want to stop praying. So when you get to the point where you don't want to stop, and you got to stop, you're doing good. Paul, excuse me, Peter and John, the leaders of the church, told the people in the congregation when there was a problem that arose. Widows were being neglected in the daily administration of food and clothing or whatever. And they got back to the apostles and the apostles said, hey, you guys look out among yourselves. We don't have to do all the picking for you. You got the Holy. Look out among yourselves 
seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. You bring them back to us, and we'll lay hands on them, we'll appoint them to this business. One of the most interesting things is, being filled with the Spirit must be recognizable, or what would they be looking for when they said, look out among you, seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. And being filled with the Spirit doesn't mean you're going to be weird. <laughs> the devil wants you to think being filled with the Spirit is going to turn you into a weird person. Jesus was not weird. Paul was not weird. Peter was not weird. The early church was not weird. They had a degree of power a lot of others didn't have because they chose to not only be born again, but to be filled with the Spirit. I'm saying that, guys, to say this. Just tune in. Keep tuned in because we need to get into some more of these things because there's a lot the Lord wants us to do and it will help a whole bunch if you want to do it. Amen. Yeah. Instead of just feeling like it's your Christian duty. Yeah. Being filled with the Spirit turns got-tos into get-tos. Turns have-tos into want-tos. Yeah. Yep. And one of the things we got to do is we got to get out there and we got to start bringing people to the Lord. Focusing on the important things in life. You know, when you're not filled with the Spirit, you try to fix all these problems in the natural. I'm not against picketing, and I'm not against yelling at times and all this, if you're standing up for a righteous cause. But there's some things we can be doing if we're filled with the Spirit that'll make a lot more difference than just some of these natural things. Are you following me? I mean, we're called to pull people from the fire, not put out all fires. The Bible didn't say God stamped out all darkness. The Bible said He translated us out of darkness. And if we're focused constantly on trying to stamp out all darkness, right? And to change all people's minds without a change of heart, we're wasting time and energy. The Bible says we're supposed to pull people from the fire. There's some junk that's going to happen in these last days. And the devil wants us distracted to trying to put out all the fires and forget about pulling people from the fire. We're not going to put out all... Did you read Revelation today? Come on, did you guys read Revelation 16? That's our chapter of the day, Monday through Friday. Did you read it? I mean, did you hear about the angel sounded? And all of a sudden, there was these things released on the earth and toward the sun. And men were scorched. A third of the men of the earth were scorched. And, and these hailstones fell. A talent each, like 70 pounds each, falling through people's houses. People dying, all kinds. And you know what the Bible says? The people on the earth who had the mark of the beast, those that were sold out to sin or whatever, they blasphemed God. Well, how many of you know that if you're trying to witness to somebody who's a blasphemer of God, you may want to go to the next person. Right. We're not called to change everybody's mind and try to make everybody. There's some people that don't want the Lord and we shouldn't be focused on them. If they want their sin, you know what I say? You got a free will. But as for me and my house, me and my house, we're not going to go these directions, all right? And our kids are going to be protected from that stuff. And if you want it, choose you this day. Life or death, it's your choice. Blessing or cursing, it's your choice. Because we can get so caught up in the natural part of this that we just don't have time for the number one thing we're supposed to be doing, and that's pulling people from the fire. The Lord tells you to intercede for somebody that's not responding, do it. But other than that, shake the dust off your feet and go to the next house. And that's the kind of attitude we need to have. Instead of trying to stop all bad from happening, let's just pull as many people out of that bad before it's too late. And then tell these people, you guys, we're about to hear a trumpet and we're about to be out of here. You know, passez-vous, see you later. Uh, And so when that happens, do whatever you want with your crazy weird things on this earth because we're going to be gone for seven years. And then we're coming back with the Lord of Lords and he's going to clean things up. So 
I mean, what would happen sometimes if we just told people, you know what? It's your, you know, it's your choice. You want to live like that? That's your choice. I'm not going to stop you. You just have to talk to your creator about it later. Let's stand up.